Hello everyone. Hi. This is me, Sean. This is Alex. And we are back with obviously another episode because otherwise you wouldn't be listening. Um, today we actually have one of our most exciting ones yet, I think. Uh, we sat down at Animal Kingdom the other day uh -huh. and we were just like listing all of our favorite themed areas from Disney. We realized there's a ton of favorite themed areas from Disney. Yeah. So we were like, well, let's make it top 10. But this time, instead of publishing about it first, let's like make a podcast episode first. Yes. So today we'll be talking about all of our favorite Disney areas and we'll give you our top 10 as well. Yep. Um, so we're really excited. So we're going to drive right in. We're not really going to do much industry talk today. Um, Although some will come about naturally as it is wont to do, but not deliberately focused. Yeah, not like any on... new sections or polls this yeah. time around. Uh, mostly because this is one of those off-spin episodes. Although there was one poll. I did a poll, remember that? Oh, we did a poll between um, Forbidden Journey's uh, queue and, and Pandora's and, yeah. Fight Passage queue. Yeah. Which and is I like, was like, which queue is better? And it was like 50, really 50-50. Yeah, so. It was, and like. It depends on if you want your queue and then you want like, your pre-show, yeah. so you want them mixed in with your queue. It was like 150 people voted and it was 50-50. It was surreal. Um, I think it's fair. But yeah, we, originally we were like, oh my god, top 10 themed areas. And then we realized that it's just hard. In order to do this well, we need like a, a ten themed areas Disney and a ten best themed areas everyone else. Like Which will come because we got a couple we of really awesome eventually. areas on the world that deserve a lot more attention. And we don't want to lump them in with Disney because they'll be yeah. they'll be, you know, kind of overshadowed, I guess. Yeah. So today we'll be talking purely about Disney. Um, we're not really a Disney podcast. So it'll be fun to have yeah. like a super Disney episode. Yeah, I mean, we love, we're big Disney guys. We're, Obviously. We're, we're, we're um, theme park guys first. We're nerds for Disney uh, as well. But it's like, I think to, to love theme parks is to love Disney and vice versa. So, And I think we have an edge of this episode that we don't usually have um, when it comes to Disney is that we're going to compare all Disney themed areas in the world, but we all, we've also actually been, been to all to each themed one. areas in the world. There's a couple of these areas that we're going to touch on that have seen changes since the last time we've personally seen them, but... We'll we'll still we'll we'll take that into consideration um, as well, and uh, we will be doing an article like a, a tried true ten, top ten countdown. But this is actually the more comprehensive uh, piece of media here because not only will we be going into greater detail. Um, I do want to say that all the areas in our actual top 10 have not seen any lineup changes since our visits. That's true. Yeah, those are the ones so, we can feel the like most. Like our top 10 will really be based yeah. on pure experience. There's, yeah. no, there's nothing new added. We've We're ridden, not really missing anything. We've ridden every ride. Even in, in honorable mentions, I yeah. think. We're not really missing anything except for Mediterranean Harbor. Yeah. Which I guess a, we'll yeah. start with Mediterranean Harbor. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, we're doing a lot of some honorable mentions. and that won't We won't talk about that in the article because we don't want the article to be over long. But for this, it's like we want to talk about... We want to start with areas that didn't make it into our top ten, but we still want to mention. And it, when people inevitably ask... You know, like, where is blah, blah, blah area? Why isn't so-and-so in your top ten? We'll be like, well, listen to the podcast. We probably talked about it if it was close, but not quite. And if you want to know why your favorite area wasn't in the top ten and we're not even talking about it in the podcast, then it's probably because it really isn't that it's good. not that great. Um, but we'll start with the Mediterranean Harbor at Tokyo Disney Sea because That's if we're going to talk about, like, talk the about best entrance... Yeah. Of any Disney park. I mean, I yeah. love the entrance to Animal Kingdom, but it's yeah. not quite as 
flamboyant and spectacular is entering Disney Sea for the first time through to have a, like, a themed area podcast episode. We basically can't do this without talking about Disney Sea uh, top to bottom. Everything in here is either an honorable mention for us for Disney Sea, or it's at, like we have three areas for Disney Sea alone in our top ten because. But I don't think it is much of a surprise because the yeah, world that knows be a that Disney Sea is. The budget park. Yeah. They had all the money uh, and they had all the yeah. ideas that were never realized yeah. for other parks. Yeah. It really is a dream come true yeah. once you all get there. All these concepts that were left on the editing room floor. It's at, funny. Over, and, and at, we were at Animal Kingdom earlier today. They made this bold statement on the way over to Pandora. And I was like, you know, if I had one day in Tokyo, I would not even go to Tokyo Disneyland. I would just go Disney to Sea. And generally speaking, that is the truth, yeah. except for we haven't ridden the newest ride at Disneyland yet. Yeah. But that the part beauty, isn't yeah. even The ranking. only reason we would, it's like the Beauty and the Beast ride coming to Tokyo Disneyland would be like my top priority for our next trip to Tokyo. So we probably I would still, we would, but that, I have done, I don't have the well, emotional connections to the franchise. It's all, so. I mean, it's not even just that. It's just going to be a really lit ride. Like it's going to be Rise of the Resistance with teacups it's just one of those things for like we're so close to mysterious island and stuff i, I need to go oh well yeah I but mean, yeah obviously we, we basically just parks. need to do both parks yeah and they don't sell a one-day park hopper sadly so it's not like we can just go to beauty and the beast and then bit you know bounce but, yeah for um, those that don't know Tokyo disney sea miss um the entrance to Tokyo disney sea is a globe yeah and the globe is really beautiful, but that's kind of, you know, just an entrance like plaza where the gates are at. There's two sets of turnstiles flanked by the train sta- with a monorail slash train station and the parking garage. And then from the globe area, you pass under the Miracosta Hotel. And then you enter the Mediterranean and then Harbor. you're in the Mediterranean Which is Harbor. a giant lagoon, about, I would say about the size of the lagoon at University of Florida. Yeah. Um, and it's surrounded by amazing architecture and natural landscapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and before, it was like, for, for as long as this park has been open, it was just the entrance plaza, and it looked really nice, but it didn't have, like, a true ride. A marquee attraction. It was where you went to see the shows. The, like, you know, that was where you would see Fantasmic and, like, the water parade things. But now they have an actual ride. They have Soren Fantastic Flight, which is a Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine, Renaissance-era-themed version of Soren uh, over the horizon. So that's pretty cool. It's that area of the park finally has like a e-ticket. It's I think probably has the longest lines of any ride uh, at that resort now. If um, its success at Shanghai Disney uh, has any, uh, you know, any weight on that. But I will say that um, the majority of the rankings are not necessarily based on just the rides. They are definitely based on. Kind of like the atmosphere. Atmosphere. How much I'm transported yeah. to like a different place when I'm in that themed area. Like how cohesive are the themes and how well do the rides and the themes fold in together? Yep. How much is the storytelling component completely cohesive among every bit of the area? And that's also why some of our favorites, we ended up not ranking them in our top 10 because yeah. we love Discoveryland. Pl- yeah, Discoveryland, Disneyland in Paris, Paris. Like I can is sit our, there all day. Our guilty pleasure. And like the last time we were at Disneyland Paris, easily 50% yeah, of our time was time there. just in Discoveryland. But Discoveryland, which has an amazing Jules Verne aesthetic with um, Autopia, uh, Discovery Mountain, which is, you know, hyperspace mound currently. Yeah. And, and then the, whole, the buildings around, like the whole thing. Yeah, the whole, the whole steampunk, Shulfer, and futuristic 
aesthetic is absolutely amazing. But then there's a bit of a problem where some of the buildings are themed to their respective franchises, including uh, Planet Rescue or whatever it's yeah, called. Buzz, oh, yeah, the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger. Yeah. Their Buzz Lightyear Blaster ride, which is not as bad as Star, uh, Star Tours in that same area. And really, the, the whole area, like, okay, so people got mad when Hyperspace Mountain came because they were like, you're ruining the Jewel Verne feel, like Star Wars doesn't belong. And it's like, well, Star Tours has been in... Discovery Land since day one. As for Star Tours, Space Mountain came yeah. after. So Star Tours was an opening day attraction for Disneyland Paris. It was the only e-ticket in Discovery Land, even though it didn't have, you know, a theme that fit the the actual vibe of the area. But they made it work. It, it was still worth it to have it. So there's kind of this. If anything, Hyperspace Mountain kind of ties the franchises yeah, together anything, with like, well, the now, aesthetic, yeah. and now it really works. Now there's two hyper. You know, now there's two Star Wars rides in because Discovery they Land. did do a good job. In my opinion, blending the theme and the style yeah. of the architecture with the hyperspace franchise yeah. or with the Star, the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. So the poster for the ride, the yeah. ride vehicles, the banners in the station. It's really – It really yeah. does work. The, the, it, it the pre-show a, it, videos, yeah. all of it. I mean I always thought with Star Tours there, Star Tours was very well – integrated. I mean, most of the show building is actually on the other side of the train track. So, like, you have the little entrance plaza. You used to have the little TIE fighter right there. Now it's a bit smaller, uh, probably for crowd control reasons. And there's but, an X-Fighter now. Oh, it's an X-Fighter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, was, on, top of the, on top of the building. It's, I guess, the meeting greet with Darth Vader. But they used to have a different one, remember? Didn't we look up a yeah, picture of it? Yeah, I can't recall exactly. Yeah. There was a TIE Fighter. They, it was still when they, yeah, they, they oh, it. that was what it was. They re, Yeah, not a TIE Fighter. I'm sorry. My Star Wars terminology sucks. Um, they rethemed. They redid the whole entrance plaza for the ride when Adventures Continues opens. Opens. It looks good because it doesn't look too overpoweringly, you know, like a different aesthetic. It looks yeah. a little more it's, mundane, it's like a mute. blank canvas. Uh, I don't mind it, but the reason it didn't rank in our top ten is because just that, like yeah. the whole story doesn't continue the from area, attraction to attraction. Yeah, Discovery Land's area is, even though they wanted it to be, you know, more than just Tomorrowland, it's still obviously plays the role of Tomorrowland and while they didn't have to like they, they took care of the whole like perpetual obsolescent obsolescent obsolescence excuse me perpetually obsolete nature of Tomorrowland by doing the steampunk historical look at the future kind of thing it still falls into the wheelhouse of like lots of IP rides and everything is just kind of tethered by the space-ness of it like all the other Tomorrowlands, uh, and unlike some Tomorrowlands where there's multiple themes but they're they're tied together fairly well, like this one, it just it. There's definitely even stuff in there that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Like so, it wins aesthetically, and yes. and it wins when it comes to the amount of things to do. Because yeah. a great thing about this in Paris is, and those who have been may not necessarily remember, but. Disneyland Paris has a walkthrough attraction for every single area, mm-hmm. and it includes Discovery Island. So you go through the Nautilus, you're in the submarine next to Space Mountain. Discovery Land. This, yeah. You said Discovery Island. Oh, but sorry. But Discovery, Discovery Island Land. does, too. <laughs> but even this, Discovery Island doesn't exist. I get our Mysterious Island. Yeah. That's Anyways, I'm talking Discovery about like, Disneyland Paris' yes. Discovery Land. Sorry. Yes. Um, so having... Several marquee e-ticket attractions, a walkthrough. Space Mountain, Autopia, Buzz Lightyear, Aesthetically Star pleasing. And fill our landscape for some reason. It still is a really cool area, but it's just, it just doesn't work as well as some of the other year. Like the fact that do. they use, like, Captain EO opened with the park, too. And that was, that was one thing. But 
and and they had it, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which again is very Tomorrowland. And I guess while we're on the topic of like Paris areas, we had a bit of a struggle picking which ones would make our list because we personally believe that Disneyland Paris has. Pretty the most the cohesive lineup of themed of, areas. Yeah. It just works so well. There is an amazing transition between every single area that's carefully thought out. Nothing feels like it bleeds. Is where some of the yeah. Magic Kingdom parks or the Castle parks really feel like they can't get their act together with themed areas. Mm-hmm. Disneyland Paris is so cohesive. Um, yeah, transition between Frontierland and Adventureland, which Adventureland is another uh, honorable mention. Um, but the transition between those two areas feels very smooth because of, like, the color palette. Yeah, so obviously Frontierland is themed to the American West, um, which is, you know, Red Rocks kind of theming. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Adventureland, of course, takes place in several several locations around the world, including Africa, jungle, and um, that sort of thing. So the nice thing about Paris is, is that the Pirates area lines up with Fantasyland where Peter Pan is. So you go from so Peter Pan really to Pirates, transition. and it's yeah. like... Black Rock. It works really yeah. well. It's like the same as the ride. And then on the other side where Frontierland is, yeah. Alex mentioned earlier, it's yeah. more of an African um, yeah. aesthetic. It's a so bit it's more a lot more lots yeah. of rocks. Exactly, a lot more rock tones. to rock. And then in the middle of the area, you have the little more of the extreme themes. Yeah, in the middle uh, of the area, you have like the, the like Indiana middle Jones East. is very and like, then, yeah, yeah, Indiana Jones in the back. Yeah, of the, the entrance area. plaza has the Middle East, like Aladdin and uh, Sinbad. Stuff and it's quite colorful, the but it doesn't yeah. believe anything because the only yeah. thing it connects to is the hub, Other which is parts, colorful yeah. too. So, so, yeah, it's like perfectly four done. little subsections where, like, the Africa section and the Frontierland section uh, and the Frontierland entrance are pretty smooth and transitioning. The pirate side of Adventureland and Fantasyland obviously are very is a smooth, smooth transition, and then the India and Middle East subsections of Adventureland don't border other areas of the park, Except so the there's no, yeah. yeah and well, yeah, India doesn't even border anything. You have to go in through the Africa side of Adventureland and then take the the walkway down to. And this Adventureland is massive. It is a, definitely a place to so explore. Huge. Lots of walkthroughs. When it, whether it's a pirate ship or caves, or if you want to walk on a bridge mm-hmm. from the caves to, there's a lot to see and do without even writing anything. Like as much as we love Shanghai Disney and Pirates Cove, which is obviously a huge part of the Disneyland Shanghai experience, because uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for Sunken Treasure is really their bread and butter experience. Um, it's I can't I can't give credit to Shanghai Disney's Pirates area without giving credit to Paris's Adventureland because really they just took what worked about the piratey area of Paris's Adventureland and blew that up into a whole area. Yeah, um, and then there's and then as for Fantasyland in Paris, we think that. Even though Shanghai Disney is newer and we love Shanghai Disney, their fantasy land is several little neighborhoods and they're not really cohesive. There's a lot of room to grow and there's a lot to do, but Paris is... It's, it's, a, it's a large setup. However, it doesn't quite seem to have any sort of aesthetic cohesion because yeah. you'll, have, um, you'll have the castle area, which yeah. obviously is great. Um, and then you'll have there's a little, little Bavarian-looking yeah. area. There's a little 100-acre wood area for Pooh. There's the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train Which area. Which borders Pooh, but it's completely different so aesthetic. It's, like, it's, it, it's beautiful. And then Don't the Frozen wrong, Theater is different. So There's there's subsections of the Fantasyland in Shanghai Disney where it doesn't all quite 
It, it, and I think they know that because it's so big and there's a lot separating these areas. So There's only one true Fantaland in the entire world that has a single that's, aesthetic that is seen through the entire yeah, area. And it's perfect. And that's, and that's Paris, Paris, which is the, out, the, the outline is kind of like Bavarian houses, mm-hmm. but everything is themed to a giant garden yeah. with waterways. Everything and is, it's green, metal... Almost Parisian aesthetic. Yeah, I would say it's it's very beautiful. Like, it reminds, it's like Versailles. Yeah, like, it's everything all is shrubs and flowers and stuff. The and U- we feel like in Shanghai, to split it up, they had Fantasyland and then they had Gardens of Imagination. Yeah, Again, which feel, is yeah. We really feel like Shanghai completely drew from Paris, which is a compliment yeah. because Paris is still the most perfect park when uh, it comes yeah, to like the, the areas and the things to do yeah. of, and like the quality of every e-ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really feel like they took Paris and brought it to Shanghai and just started kind of plucking yeah. and deciding what they like best and, from Paris and, yeah. and blow it up into yeah. Shanghai sizes. Yeah. Um, so again, that's why I mentioned Paris a lot when it comes to the themed areas. Not the not the second gate, yeah. <laughs> just no, the main gate. The second gate, gate is we're not, this, yeah, yeah let's even talk we're about, not talking we have about time for that. And then as far as like the we don't have any other fantasy lands that we're discussing in this podcast because even though fantasy land is like the fan favorite for a lot of people at any Disney park, none of them. I mean, Anaheim's is cute, but it, it's not exactly cohesive either because the Matterhorn. Yeah, the one in yeah in Fantasyland and Small World has its own little midway, which is cool, and like the Fantasyland Theater. But Fantasyland in Anaheim is one of the more clustery areas of Disneyland, and also a lot of aesthetics going on. And then Magic Kingdoms is just ugly still. Magic Kingdom in Tokyo still. It's funny. We were at Magic Kingdom last week, and um, (laughs) we started standing right behind the carousel, and we started counting all the different kinds of castle walls. walls. Because apparently, everything is still themed to a castle, but it's all differently colored. And I think at one point we stood there, we counted eight different castle walls or like paint schemes. Yeah. In a single like bird's eye view, eight different paint schemes, and four of those were just different castle masonries, four different kinds of stone. Four different colors of rooftop. Because now that the now that Cinderella's castle has been repainted, it's just it's an additional because now the castle color is pink and like that dark blue. Match but then in there, the castle pieces that are lingering in the backside yeah. of, of yeah behind the, the area carousel are still the old colors the old, that weren't yeah. repainted. So now there's even more coloration. Yeah. We're not gonna talk about that. So we don't yeah, have time. But Tokyo and Hong Kong and Magic Kingdom still have like the the fair. The, like, the medieval fair tent-style stuff for their fantasy lands, which I was never a huge fan of. I mean, obviously, that was what Disneyland used to have. But yeah, and then Shanghai Disneyland- nice stuck with the buildings, yeah. and then Paris, and then, the only like, one that has yeah. an actual garden as a yeah. theme. So Par- really going dope. to Paris is just such a naturally naturalistic take on it. And then, it's, of course, it's just chock full of rides. I don't think any other fantasy land has as many actual rides. I love walking around that. Fancy land. Like, I love their Casey Jr. coaster. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was even there. Yeah. yeah and there's just so And then the giant walkthrough. There's walk so much. Yeah. And uh, it's just, yeah. And then their small world their is small completely world is amazing. themed to that theme. So, like, yeah. it's, even though it's Paris, it's still outside. Their small world is but so But they elegant. built this, like, really elegant Parisian-looking <sighs> cover yeah. over the entrance and exit of the mm-hmm. building with fountains. It is completely it's, beautiful. Yeah. It is an awesome fancy land. Um... Let's see. Where are we at? Let's see. Uh, so we did all of our Paris ones. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Disney areas that we love that are themed to the Pacific Northwest. There's two of them. Okay. Yeah. So Grizzly Peak and, and Grizzly Gulch, Gulch, which are both 
the theme to like Gold Rush era California, California, like mountains. Which obviously for California Adventure, that was a huge hallmark of, of their operation. I'm so glad they closed Condor Flats and made it part of Grizzly Peak. They made Peak. it part of Grizzly Peak. Because it's, it's a really cool it was a little, area. Yeah, Condor Flats and Grizzly Peak being two different areas was a little fragmented. But now that Condor Flats is the Grizzly Peak airfield, yeah. and they repainted everything to be like dark you know, wood tones. And, and then stuff. you have Grand uh, California and the that Grand California, completely blends everything together. From day one, the part that worked the best about California Adventure was Grizzly Peak and, and Soren. So it's like that, that area of, the, of California Adventure has always been the most perfect um, until Cars Land was built, obviously. And then yeah. we've got uh, Avengers Campus coming, and that's going to be really interesting. But um, Though I, I'm personally kind of person that 95% of the time chooses naturalistic, naturalistic environments, environments over city environments. Yeah. So I still think Grizzly Peak will be my second yeah. favorite there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then there's Grizzly Gulch in Hong Kong. Which is super cute. It's like a small, it's like a miniature Grizzly Peak, right down to the miniature Grizzly Bear Mountain. It's like a little miniature version of Grizzly River Runs. Mountain. It's a little more of a frontierlandish feel yeah. to it because it's it's fitting that void there. Yeah. Because yeah, where Hong it needs Kong to be does area. not have a frontier land or a western land. Um, I guess the the whole frontier theme concept can can kind of stray into some weird places now as far as like social awareness and and political correctness. So. I think by the time they were setting up Hong Kong's, I mean Paris is. We're going to talk about Paris's a little bit and like. Well, the, that uh, one the is approach they took but. for Hong Kong was great because they wanted something that was unique. They also wanted something that was naturalistic because they don't yeah. really have that much there yeah. except for the jungle theme. And then they had to go with um, something Western that was also fantasy. So they yeah. went with choosing bears as the main character, yeah. but they're like cartoon bears yeah. that are you know accidentally derailing. Yeah. A mine train, or that are now rubbing their ass against yeah, against the track, know, switch. The track yeah. switch, and so yeah. instead of focus being like on the people m- mining, people yeah. mining, or you know, like a mine shaft gone yeah. wrong, the focus yeah. was like more comedic on the yeah. bears. Yeah, and so they have this big roller coaster, um, Grizzly Mount <laughs> Grizzly, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, big Grizzly Mountain runaway mine cars. There you go, which um, is such is such a great ride. It's more like a flat Everest, it is, with yeah, a launch. Ex- Expedition Everest, but flat. Um, the whole area is really the ride. Like, there's really nothing to the area besides for Buffalo the popcorn, coaster, and that you can get uh, you can get um, buffalo flavored popcorn, buffalo sauce, not actual yeah, buffalo, buffalo sauce. sauce. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they have like a like Wild West Chippendale meet and greet and stuff. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a smart direction to go. And then uh, Shanghai Disney doesn't have a Western area at all. But though I'm pretty sure it'll be two. The second gate will probably have. Something that's American Southwest or American You heard it here Northwest. first, but I we really think that Cars Land will come to yeah. China next because Cars 3 was the highest grossing Disney animated movie prior to Zootopia yeah. in China. It's still their highest grossing Pixar film in China. And they don't have a Western area yet, so and I really think Cars that Land a Cars Land copy good. will be like a perfect e-ticket draw-in attraction for, for their the second, second gate, gate that eventually will Cars come. Cars Land so. is too beautiful and too perfect for them to only do it once. There's there's just no way. You know, they couldn't do Tron only one time. Uh, They're going to see Tron at least three times. So, four, yeah, it's so. like there's no way that they could just do... Nothing good that Disney does happens only once. Like, Galaxy's Edge is a good example. And um, then another focus we have in this article that we'll publish a little later is... 
um, cohesion when it comes to storytelling. So yeah. there's one area that is original to Disneyland, and we really wanted to focus on this without it being in the article. Yeah. Um, and New Orleans, New Orleans Square, Square has a couple of attractions that really run together, even though they're kind of like different rides. So Having, Pirates. Like, yeah, Pirates and, and Haunted Mansion, which are the two most beloved Disney rides, like, bar none. Like, the, the fandoms behind those two attractions are uh, unparalleled in the realms and so we couldn't really we can't we you almost can't talk about disney parks and disney rides without talking about new orleans square because anaheim's new orleans square is where the two be all end all disney dark rides originally are located and um as as other parks expanded i mean obviously there was no they didn't want to do New Orleans Square in Florida because they felt like it wasn't interesting enough because Florida is so geographically close to the bayou. So I could get that. They did Liberty Square instead. Fun fact, Liberty Square and New Orleans Square were two themed areas that Walt had conceptualized for uh, a potential indoor amusement park in New Orleans. Um, that whole plan fell through in favor of the Florida project, but... Um, they, by the time, let's see, so he, yeah. So by the time they had started with New Orleans Square um, in, the, I want to say, the, it was the mid-60s. Pirates of the Caribbean opened in 67, so that's when New Orleans Square, I think I don't think New Orleans Square had been open very long prior to that, if at all. New Orleans Square was online as part of a Disneyland inclusion because they felt like it really fit um, that area of the park. And the success of Small World is what, led to Pirates of the Caribbean being a boat ride because Pirates of the Caribbean was part of the concept for the original indoor park, but it was a walkthrough. Um, so with New Orleans Square online, and of course now it's just one of the most beautiful and iconic parts of Disneyland, uh, they decided the other half of the concept, the New Orleans, uh, the uh, Liberty Square, would, would work uh, in Disney World. Um, apparently they really wanted that for Disney World because they were gearing up for like the Bicentennial which was also the 5th anniversary of Disney World and Magic Kingdom and it was a really smart environment for uh, for Haunted Mansion too it was, a, it was a smooth transition we actually prefer the Haunted Mansion at Magic Kingdom I think there's, it's, there's some more scenes it doesn't have as much of the pre-ride section like after the elevator but it's got that room with the staircases that I don't think, I don't, I can't remember. I think Tokyo's Tokyo has it, probably it, yeah. has it, but Anaheim's certainly doesn't. Um, but anyway, because the original Pirates and the original Haunted Mansion take place in New Orleans Square, we had to talk about it. Tokyo has a miniature New Orleans Square that's part of Disney, uh, that's part of uh, Adventureland, because they wanted their Pirates to be like Anaheim's, because obviously they didn't want it to be like Orlando's. And then, since they don't have a liber- they don't have a Liberty Square, but they went on a Haunted Mansion, they just tucked Haunted Mansion away into Fantasyland. What are you looking at over there? Oh, I'm looking, looking at, at Disney Sea. We're looking at Disney Sea from Google Earth. It's sure our point of reference because we will anything. talk about the, every area of that park by the time this podcast is over. Um, and speaking of Disney Sea, we actually oh, yes. okay. have one more honorable mention left. Before which is, we start our actual t- our top ten, which is the Lost River Delta. It's the area that I want so badly at Animal Kingdom. Yes, um, it is the area theme to the Mexican yeah, it's River the, Delta. Yeah, it's South Mexico. 
And it has Raging Spirits, which is a clone with cool effects, but the real star is yeah. Indiana Jones yep. and the Temple of the Crystal, Crystal Skull, Skull. Yep. which is like Anaheim's Indiana Jones, but it has a couple more yep. cool effects, and the queue is awesome. Very nice. Instead of the queue yep. really being a long stretch that really takes you to show building, the show building's on yeah. the midway, yep. and the queue is inside the show building. Really letting you go through several giant scenes with rather than like you know a very lengthy process of getting anywhere. So I really like that queue even more. From the outside, it looks like the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot a little bit. Yeah, Epcot but like never were abandoned. Yeah, yeah, it's and then it's slightly different. It's it's almost identical to Anaheim's. This one has a few scene swaps and it has an additional scene. Um, that smoke ring scene that Anaheim they added but Anaheim was supposed to have a scene there and they ran out of money yeah. and then they <laughs> but that scene just like every other concept that got cut in budget cuts it wound up at Tokyo Disney Sea in full version um, yeah yeah so but the key difference between those rides is that of course the the one in in, in Tokyo is themed to Mexico and Anaheim's um, is themed to India which means that the snakes in the, the regions snakes are, are different. different. Yes. So there's an anaconda, anaconda is in Tokyo Disney, Tokyo Disney Sea and a king cobra here in, in Anaheim. Anaheim. So fun funny facts. fun facts for you guys. Yep. Um, and with that Disney Sea rolling train, we're going to roll yep. right into the first area. On number 10, we have... <laughs> we have... Uh, oh, I almost read this backwards. Okay, it so we're the at the American waterfront. Bing, 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 bing. Just a few. We, had, we, we walked through... Uh, Port Discovery. So to I get usually here. don't really like <laughs> when people theme shit to America. Yeah, but this one really worked. Yeah, we're not Liberty Square American Adventure fans. We don't really like the colonial American aesthetic. We're not yeah. big on imperialism. So, but this but, area is awesome because it is classic New York yeah, Art Deco port. New York and Cape Cod and. Coney Island. It's actually a really large area, so it's the biggest. I kind of forget yep. that it has a bunch of sub areas, mm-hmm. but um, the main attractions obviously um, Tower of Terror, Tower, which, which is themed to Mister High Tower and his High Tower Hotel. He has a big collection of different Historical exotic artifacts. artifacts that also play into a story from Hong Kong Disneyland. So it has it has yeah. a bigger story that continues yeah, on Lord in different Henry parks. Mystic. Yeah. And uh, the theme is cool because it's completely different than the other ones. Even mm-hmm. though now they're all kind of different themes. Yeah. Uh, originally, it was the only tower to not be themed to Hollywood. Uh, instead, to New York, which is really cool theming. The actual ride program is weak. Sucks. It hurts. And it, it uses boring, a three-point seatbelt, which is, which is hurts. dumb. However, but the weather was shit our entire time there. But on one evening, we rode it. And, and we for saw some the reason, sunset. And the sunset, the like, and we saw the Tokyo Tower. It was really it was cool. so, so cool. Um, but other than that, the ride is just cool because it's a different pre-show, it's a different story. Ride. And what's funny is it was sort of, it's sort of similar to the theme that Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout got um, in the sense where uh, Harrison Hightower and The Collector are both traveling the known universe in, in Guardian's case, obviously, it's like the whole galaxy, whereas in Tokyo's case, it's, you know, global imperialism. But they're both collecting uh, things and stuff that don't belong to them, and they both get their comeuppance. You know what my favorite part of that ride is? Which one? Of the, of the Tokyo one? What's that? Of all the four towers, it's the only one where the entire queue is inside because of monsoons. Yeah. And the other ones are all have to stand outside yeah. for majority of the queue. 
Which that's kind of cool. Uh, Tokyo has an outdoor they have lo- overflow. It has an outdoor overflow, but a majority of the lobby is but, the yeah. lobby is much larger. The and it's all yeah. switchbacks, and they I kind of don't hate that. They like, can hold like, like over an hour of queue inside the lobby. Yeah, because we definitely walk right into the lobby and still wait yeah. over an hour to yeah. go. So that was cool. And then their other e-ticket, really the more popular ride there now, is their Toy Story Mania. We just themed to Coney Island, like a trolley park. Love it's it. literally called Toy Story Trolley Park. Yeah, Toy Story Trolley Park. Everything is like big. Clear incandescent light bulbs. Like and this is Luna kind of work. I want to draw a comparison to Discoveryland in Paris because we have a bunch of different franchises now, and we're not even done with the franchises here yet. Yeah. But the difference is, is that here the aesthetic of the franchises, or the aesthetic of the building, the area is still are all taking cohesive. precedent. Yeah. Yeah, and so even though Toy Story is part of this American waterfall now. It doesn't dominate the it theme. It's not yeah. like the, it's not like the Toy Story. It's not lands, like you know? yeah. Well, but yeah, it's like the outside of it. The outside of Toy Story Mania works with being next to a, a Victorian style architecture version of Tower of Terror. Everything is like turn of the century up until the nineteen thirties architecture inspiration. Once you're inside of Toy Story Mania, it's Andy's bedroom. Which of course is all based on the like the Toy Story lands, but but we're talking it about these areas bleed. here. Exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't works. bleed, and that's so important because you enter the the ride and it, you you're transported somewhere else, and so the fact that everything on the midway looks so cohesive, but then once you get on the rides, you know the rides take over the stories and and things that are happening on the rides um, are, are kind of take the wheel from there. Um, and you know, Toy Story. I like Toy Story Mania. It's not like our favorite, but really, the fact that Toy Story Mania and Tower of Terror in Paris are really neither of our favorite rides, and yet the area is just so astounding. There was no Tokyo. Uh, yeah, American Waterfront. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the American Waterfront. Yeah, the, yeah. The Tokyo version of Tower of Terror is not our fave, and none of the Toy Story Manias are our fave of anything. But that's only half the area because yeah. then you also have the electric railway which yeah. is themed to an old electric railway. Yeah, literally. yeah a trolley car. Like that an electric travels between the, um, the Port Discovery which is not listed because yeah. it's not that great and yeah. the American Waterfront. Yeah. Then you have the actual ship themed to an old um, cruise liner yeah, an old ocean like liner. Um, it has know, Crush in there. It has Turtle Talk with Crush. Yeah, so I think... But it's very inconspicuous. So I think kind of like, um, you know, Holland America Line, one of the first cross-Atlantic, wide, big ocean liners um, in the port of New York. And then you cross with a bridge, which is an aesthetically very pleasing mm-hmm. bridge, next to the electric railway to Cape Cod. A little Cape Cod area. There's no rides. Also American-themed. Yeah. But this is where Duffy... Duffy Bear. Comes from. The most Tokyo Disney thing ever. Most born there is that's, that's from his hometown, Tokyo Disney Sea. So really, like, I want them to build a rapids yeah. ride there. But even if they never do, which they probably never I want will. A, a Duffy Bear ride. Oh my gosh, you mentioned Duffy Bear rapids ride. Duffy Bear rapids. Yeah, I want it to be big Duffy. Yeah. River rapids. Yeah, I want big like teddy bear shaped boats. <laughs> Could you imagine? Sit on his like boat. on the back yeah. of your. You know, like yeah. they always always put like fake luggage and like cans on the back yeah. side of the seats. Yeah. I need there to be a bunch of plush yeah. animals. Oh yeah, backpacks all around. The, yeah, well, like the fans, all the fans in the parks. Oh yeah, have, totally. Like, there's people who are so obsessed with. We like, took the hardcore like pictures with these people. Like, American Waterfront. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like a bunch the of Donald. Ducks. There was like a troop of twelve girls who were Donald Duck girls. There yeah. was troops of of villains. Different groups of villains walking around. People who have like fifty Donald Duck plushies, safety pinned to a backpack, like, and uh, and then of course all the Duffy Bear characters and stuff. So yeah, th- the the American waterfront for Disney Sea is just such a massive enveloping area, and the 
intellectual properties that call them call call that area home don't compromise the area and that's going to be a big thing with this list is is areas that either don't have major intellectual property presence or it's just one intellectual property or areas where the intellectual properties are woven in so nicely that it doesn't feel like it's breaking character. Yep, because the area, especially on a list like this, needs to take a precedent. Um, so next up, we have a personal diehard favorite, yes. um, Home Park One for the win. One spend a lot of time at. And I absolutely love it because yeah. it feels like it really transports me yeah. somewhere. And that's, I think, the most important part of a themed area. And I really am a sucker yeah. for you know, thematically naturalistic places. So next up is Animal Kingdom's Asia. Asia. It is not Asia, high-rises and big flashy cities. Mm-hmm. It is Asia, mountain towns, yeah. Everest. Ex- I mean, yeah. you guys know what we're talking about. Expedition Everest, um, Kali River Rapids. Yeah. It is temples. It is animal exhibits. Nepal. Wolfen Inn. Bangladesh. India. Water. Yeah, it's jungle. Just, yeah. It is. I feel like I'm no longer in the U.S. when I'm in that area. And this is, I think, the only real area on our list that is going to be based on real life. Yeah. 100% themed to, like, existing places in the mm-hmm. world. And it did such an amazing job taking you there. So we'll start, I think, with what people don't always think about. And that's the um, Maharajan Jungle Track. Yeah. Which is one of Animal Kingdom's several jungle or um, several... Hi- yeah, hiking... Trails. Trails. They're, they have a hiking... They have one... They have a really nice one in Africa, too. Gorilla Falls. Africa, I guess, is another honorable mention because that's sort of like the original area. bread and butter of... But I feel like a lot of safari parks yeah. are always focused on yeah. Africa. As you where, can like, find, the Asia yeah. theme is still kind of yeah. rare. Yeah, finding, like, wild, like, jungle, unspoiled nature that's Asian-themed is a little harder. Um, plus, I mean, we're, we like the, the Kilimanjaro Safari, but we also really like Kali River Rapids and... Uh, Expedition Everest. So. And especially because the queues still really take us somewhere. Yeah. So we'll start with the Jungle Track, which is um, home to giant bats, um, a beautiful architecture, yeah. aviaries, tigers, yeah. water buffalo, lizards, lizards yeah. monkeys. Some, of some, yeah. I don't even know which There's ones are. There's a lot of, what, yeah. But it's really cool because I really, again, feel like I'm going somewhere and I'm seeing these animals and the exhibits are beautiful and it's old Asian temples kind of being reclaimed by nature, mm. which, no, it's been a theme on the website lately. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's just one little part of the area because then it, within the area there is two monkey exhibits, mm-hmm. a big one and then a smaller one. Yeah. And then there is Kali River Rapids. Kali River Rapids. Not only does Kali River Rapids partially encircle one of the monkey exhibits that you can see from the midway. The queue has aviary. The queue oh, has, a, really has small an aviary. Aviary, but yeah. Um, and it's just one of the nicest. I mean, the, the queues for the rides at in Asia, the two major Asia rides are just. We just came from Animal Kingdom, and I recall yeah, we this today. afternoon. I was like, "This is why I ride Kali because Kali River Rapids is not the best rapids drive by any means. There's definitely better ones, but the queue yeah. is one of the reasons that I ride it because I yeah, want to walk through so the jungle and see the animals and see the little huts and all the detail that's in that queue." That almost feels like it could just be a themed area, but it's part of the borrowed experience of riding Kali River Rapids. It's the kind of thing where you would want to walk through it even if there wasn't a ride at the end. Totally. Like, if this was just a park walkthrough, which I'm all about those things, um, this this could pass. And then we get to Everest, which I think is, everyone listening to this podcast is probably, Everest is the most important aspect of Asia within Animal Kingdom. And 
God, the roller coaster is like the least impressive part of the whole area. Yeah. Like Everest is really cool, Expedition Everest, yeah. but it's almost like I forget about it when I think of the area because yeah. the area is so beautiful. Again, and so it's detailed. like the queue for Everest is so amazing. The standby queue for it, which we've been doing a lot of standby queues lately because there's no fast pass. So also, yeah, this is the first time really enjoying focusing on all the details and standby queues and again Everest is, has a queue that's so nice that I would want to see it even if there wasn't a ride there you can't say the same for most rides and you can't even say the same for a lot of rides at Animal Kingdom because like Dinosaur and Navi. even Kilimanjaro Safari and Navi don't have the best queues Kilimanjaro Safari at least has that bird exhibit in the queue but a lot yeah. of that queue feels like you're standing with like the floor to ceiling uh, brown walls. Brown walls, and you know they're trying to to obscure the view of the of the empty um, vehicles, vehicles coming, in. coming in from unload. But yeah, so I feel like even within Animal Kingdom, Asia really stands out as as being one of the best assets. And to me, there's vanish points. So the majority of the midway that in, in comp, like encircles the park doesn't go through the area. So a lot of the area takes place away from the beaten path, yeah. which really helps where there's no bleeding whatsoever. Yeah. Like you're in Africa, you're in Asia and you're in Asia only. Mm-hmm. And then even when you come in from Dinoland USA, which is one of the worst things there is over this bridge. bridge. And Everest is staying Total there. Total palate cleanser. All the vantage points are beautiful. When you're on Colorado for Rapids, Everest is your backdrop. So the area is from every vantage point on the on the attractions Every vantage point where you're walking in the areas, it is a seamless product, and it really transports you somewhere. Like, I can just hang out there all effing day. And Everest is just such a beautiful... It's one of Disney's... You know, Disney is the king of forced perspective, and Everest is one of the greatest examples of forced perspective anywhere in the world, period. You can stand on the bridge that takes you from Discovery Island... That's what we were thinking of. Discovery Island. Oh, Discovery Island. Uh, there's so many. It, there's lots of Discovery. Discovery Land, Discovery Island, <laughs> yeah. and Port Discovery are three different, totally different looking areas in three different parks. Anyway, you take the bridge from the Tree of Life over to Africa, and that view of, of Everest, of Mount Everest, is so surreal. It is so superb, and you really... It's far away enough. Like, you know that it's in the park. You know that that's a roller coaster, but... It really fools the mind. It's 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 peak level. Well, the great news is that no the, the parts of the roller coasters <laughs> that are visible from the midway are actually only visible yeah. from within the area. Yeah. So it's a great backdrop yeah. for the park because you can see it from almost anywhere. There's nowhere. That but I the prefer, actual yeah. roller coaster, you don't see whether you're unless you're like looking for it mm-hmm. at the platform. Yeah. Or like in the station. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's such it's, a massive like the ride. Biggest roller coaster on it's amazing how little of it you see. That's open. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I almost feel like it should have been higher on the list. I almost yeah. feel like, but you yeah, know. now it's number nine. I think I might have moved it a few. Well, it's but it's so hard because the rest of the list. Is just, this is it's it's this is really hard. But um, next up, we have Galaxy's Edge, which number eight. So putting it at number eight is probably going to be controversial on both ends of the spectrum. People will say that we didn't give it enough credit, and there will definitely be people who don't think it should be in the top 10 at all. I have lots of feelings about this area. And so many I'm not ready. Oh, I'm, I'm actually really ready to go and tell you about it. The first thing I want to say <laughs> is that I feel, <laughs> I feel like this area, when they designed it, they were so focused on competing bit by bit against the Wizarding World of Harry Potter 
that they forgot to put some soul in there. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, they butterbeer, we have to have milk green. We have to have green and green blue, and milk. blue milk. Okay, we got something cool. Oh, they, they have ha- magic wands. We oh, they have, have magic have wands. We have to have play pads. Disney. Oh, they the have Disney app. <laughs> certain snacks, the Honeydukes. We have to have colored popcorn. Yeah. I feel like everything is a direct response to anything seen in the Wizarding World of Harry yeah. Potter. But by doing so, nothing feels that original. The soul isn't there because, like, sorry, Disney. Phone apps do not replace interactive wands with magic yeah. tricks. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says because we've had this argument, but you're fucking wrong. And I know they that, just can't, like, they just can't it's all supposed them. to be this big, like, live action role play. But I just saw I, more in Anaheim than I saw that in That component Orlando, of it is not prevalent enough to tip the scales for us. We've spent enough time in these areas of these parks, and I just, every time we go through. Disney's Hollywood Studios, and we go through Galaxy's Edge. It feels tiresome. It's a taxing place to be in. It's it's really not easy on the eyes. Like, well, the thing is that they took a naturalistic approach, which I love that. However, I feel like there's so many areas that kind of transport me more than that does. Yeah. I feel like I've I've kind of seen this before. You know, it's another yeah. kind of Tatooine looking place. That, yeah, you know, a lot of rock work, and even though. There is some greenery, especially Anaheim's. A lot more greenery, and yeah. I will say Anaheim's, Anaheim's is, is definitely the better one. The better one. It has the better transitions into by the far. land. It has a lot more foliage. Yeah, it feels the area feels drawn out much more. I really feel like I'm exploring the transitions more. into the area are way smoother. It's where Orlando's. I really feel like it's it's made for the masses. But then once you're inside, I feel like I just feel bored. Like I walk around, I'm like, this looks. It looks really cool. It's really impressive. Which is why it's on this list because it's yeah. you know there's spacecraft and there's some Lenny Falcon and the rides are good. The rides are pretty solid. Usually, even the queues are really not that great. Yeah, but then I just feel like the reason it's not even higher on the list, even though it was Disney's intent to be the best team Barry ever created, it is too much of a response game to what the industry has already been doing. Was, even though within their own resort. Speaking for Walt Disney World, yeah. there are better themed areas. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, people are funny? like, "Is this the best themed area in the world, girl?" It's not the best themed area in Orlando. It's not the best themed area yeah, on Walt property. Disney world. Yeah, and it doesn't have the best ride roster of any area in Orlando. Either. I will say, the Rise of Resistance is a phenomenal attraction. I will definitely say it's one of the best things Disney's ever created when it works. When it works, <laughs> which is not right now, by the way. Which is right now. They're only running one vehicle per station. Yeah. One elevator is working. Here's our little Complete topical tangent show. right now. The cut ninety percent of the of the maintenance budget on your newest attraction. Rise of the Resistance flopped, is such a shit show right now that it's newsworthy. Like every the last couple of days. It I didn't even know they had so poorly. I didn't even know they designed the ride to be able to run with one, one elevator. Vehicle. Yeah, and now with social yeah. distancing, you can literally have one person in one ride vehicle. Yeah, half it's, the they're not I mean, even like, doing the leader follow right now. There's no leader crazy. follow car. There's just a single car because one of the elevators does not. It's broken. It's not communicating with the vehicles properly. The vehicles can't lock to the elevator properly. The elevator is actually fine. It's the mechanism supposedly. This is what I read on the internet, and you know they can't put it on the internet if it's not true. But would I? <laughs> but apparently, it's the mechanism that locks the vehicle in place before the elevator. That's not communicating with the vehicle properly, so that's down. And that's I will, canceled. I will say that. Okay, so let's just go back and assume rise resistance is running as it's meant to be, and yeah. there's no maintenance slash budget slashing because of COVID nineteen. It is a really phenomenal ride. However, the process of getting a boarding group is a complete yeah. nightmare, which kind of ruins the area for me because yeah. like. I just want to be there and be able to do whatever I want to do and not have to deal with a boarding pass and sit my ass around the rest of the park. I wish my my, my mental idea of um, 
Galaxy's Edge wasn't so marred and dominated by the stress and the anguish. (laughs) And then I really like Smuggler's Run. The passes. Like, I don't think Smuggler's Run is bad by any means, but it's not as strong of a supporting act as they made it out to be because you either got one tube of coaxium or you get two, and you have your personal score. But I feel like sometimes the rendering or, like, the interaction on the actual screen within the ride it's really glitchy. Like there's been times where like it's just glitching, and I'm like, God, like this is like a bad video game. On a good, yeah, like, on, on a, a good day, it's a neat ride. But I feel like it's remember it, that our last yeah, ride. I yeah, was like, it was, it's a skipping like thing. Yeah, like, what is was, going there on? There were some issues with our pretty. The, that ride, I saw a meme today that was hilarious, where it was like the Disney Imagineers on one side and like a pretty decent game at Dave and Buster's <laughs> on the other side, and then like you know collided and created this. Really what it reminds me of is Disney Quest. I think I've talked about this when we've talked about the area before. Smuggler's Run feels like a pretty good Disney Quest attraction. And that's not a read. I When I was a little boy and I went to Disney Quest, it was brand new. I like, I like pissed my pants. I thought Disney Quest was the coolest thing on planet Earth. But it was 1999. And so Smuggler's Run, if, 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 if Disney Quest was still around and Smuggler's Run was a Disney Quest attraction, that would be like... The bee's knees, but it's not. It it had to carry Galaxy's Edge for, for a while. half a year. It still Anaheim. carries it because Rise is never really operating yeah, the way it's it, supposed it, to. It, yeah, that Rise is serving a much more prominent role in the whole experience than it was ever designed to. Because Rise of the Resistance keeps shitting the bed. Now, I do want to go back to the extra area, and I will say that you know there are a bunch of spacecraft which look cool. And it's the bazaar, which is pretty cool. Like, there's a lot going on that you can admire and look at and think, this is cool. And there is, you know, the collection. I forgot what it's called. Uh, where you can go inside. You know, it's like a walkthrough. Yeah, they have, like, us. the museum type you have thing. The, you have Ogus Cantina. You got the bar. You have one, you know, dine. Okay, but the, my problem with Ogus Cantina then, is it's t- constantly, like, a line out the door. Yeah. Not even the pandemic could keep the lines for Ogus Cantina to a reasonable Number like it's just I, I, we haven't set foot in there because you make reservations there, it just seems like chaos trying um, to, to get in there. So, so I think we'll Disney see. really had an amazing idea, and I think it was I think Anaheim's really turned out the best. I, I really generally yeah. like Anaheim's, and I saw all the outside, I saw the action going on. I saw like Chewbacca and yeah. Ray running away from the stormtroopers. Shit, I haven't seen that here yet. We've been to the one yeah. here like way more times. Yeah, they I just will say it fell short of my expectations. As usual, the, the cast member component of Anaheim, you know, seemed to be in a better place than Orlando. And it's not Orlando's fault, and there's great cast members in Orlando, but I feel like they, they just seem to have an easier time to, to get, an easier time getting people, you know, cooperating and, and getting enough people who are face characters. I mean, I mean, I could be totally wrong here, but this is my impression, is that, like, Anaheim just has no trouble... Getting the bodies on board. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's what this. it is. I just think that the Orlando operations meant for bigger crowds. Um, but then they need more people. They need more people LARPing. They need more people to do this live action role play. I mean, let's not forget it's, it's COVID nineteen right now. So but it's really well, bad yeah, to be but we never. I mean, w- well, that's what when I was saying have earlier. we ever been to, bigger, to yeah. the area? Like, we make a lot of excuses for the one here because first it's like, oh well, the area is new because when it opened in November, you know, it was new and. Rise of Resistance. Well, it opened like, and, early in that, but Rise it, opened oh, yeah, uh, it, early yeah, December, early yeah, November. It, yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, the point is that, like, yeah, Disney really wanted this to be their best area ever, and, like, best we can do is number eight on the, yeah. on the list. Sorry. Next. Bing. Sorry, not sorry. 
Coming in number seven is Shanghai Disneyland's Adventure Isle. Adventure Isle. Okay, so Adventure Isle is pretty much best case scenario Adventureland. It's the best Adventureland, even though it's not called Adventureland. It's themed to South America, which you know a, a, is a grossly underutilized uh, aesthetic. I think. <laughs> Animal Kingdom. Yeah, I, Animal Kingdom would be well served to demolish Dinoland USA to and the, turn it to into the dirt Latin America. Yeah, and totally, make yeah. it Adventure Isle from Shanghai Disneyland. We think I think of Adventure Isle and Pirates Cove as like kind of one area, but not. They're both around their own lagoon on the right side of the park, right of the castle. And um, the two areas kind of make up an adventure land of sorts, except Shanghai Disney was much more keen on the cohesion factor by making them two areas. Paris did a great job of, of showing that you can have an adventure land that's several different areas, four different places in the world, and bring them together in a way that's cohesive. But the problem with Avengerlands historically has always been that in some way, shape, or form, it had bleed because it's kind of like... Yeah. There's always a bunch of different themes that yeah. belong to Avengerland, according to the Western people. And so what the great thing is about Shanghai Disney's is that they have... A, they took one, one region. They, region yeah. and really expanded on it. And even though you have Soren over the horizon there, mm-hmm. it is Latin American themed. Yeah. And you're going through the ruins, which is really, really great. And then... You have their Camp Discovery, yeah. is that what it's called? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, or yeah, Camp Discovery, Dis- Discovery, the Discovery Camp Discovery Adventure Trails. There you go. Which is a ropes course, ropes course, course through the big waterfalls. Which, by the way, that's yeah. like the signature the thing in the area. Thing, is the big, the big rock with the waterfall that's like part of the ropes courses and Roaring Rapids. Like that's their Everest. And again, it's another like amazing force perspective moment where like you can see it from Fantasyland. Yeah, it's one of those things where like you know parks animate their own skylines for merchandising purposes, mm-hmm. and that's one of the three major things in the park. Yeah, any merchandise you find that is like Shanghai Disney skyline, that's there. That it's is like Adventure Isle, like, Tron, yeah. and the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's those. Those are the three. And then there's Roaring Rapids, points. which is Disney's longest rapids ride or longest yeah. water ride. I yeah. think superb, amazing water ride. ride. It's like a bigger version of Grizzly River Rapids. However, this is an original theme, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun yeah. because, I mean, Grizzly River Rapids are original too, yeah. but for Shanghai Disney, which relies a lot on franchises and, and pre-existing yeah. uh, attraction ideas from, from Disney. Yeah, this was their one This is their one, non, like, non Well, IP. I guess Soren's not really an IP. I, I, Soren is really but a Disney been Parks IP. Yeah. But yeah, Roaring Rapids was like, aside from being kind of a similar ride mechanically to Grizzly River, it's one of the more unique things at the park because... The theme, the Parak, the the big uh, animatronic on the inside of, I mean, just super cool. Really cool. Really amazing uh, melding of, of experiences there. You get a dark ride moment on your non-traditional uh, dark ride vehicle, which is a River Rapids ride in this case. Um, there's only one part of the ride where there's a silent issue inside the show building. Right when you go into the show building and you can see, like, the staff and stuff looking at you from the booths. Yeah, you can see, like, <laughs> there's a the couple ceiling of holes is, like, open. The, yeah. I don't know why they didn't fix that, but... That ride... Does, it's not really a retractor, though, or detractor. That color. ride... Probably, that ride was really rushed. It opened, and then it closed, and it was closed for several months. Yeah. And then it reopened. I think there's still some more stuff that they want to do with it, but I think they've... There was probably more that needed to be done to, to like, that they wanted to make the ride perfect, but they really couldn't... They didn't want it to be closed longer than it had to be. There was an issue with the Korok, and unlike Expedition Everest, they actually fixed 
this giant indoor animatronic. signature animatronic monster. So I want to blow a little fun <laughs> fact into this ride description real quick. The only attraction in all of Shanghai Disneyland from which you can see the Shanghai Financial District skyline is Roaring Rapids. Rapids. Believe it or not, from the water ride on the lift hill, you have to look towards the park and look over, look, like look, look over past pirates. the castle. And look above over, pirates, you will see, and you can see downtown Shanghai, and you'll see, you know, the on three a clear major day, on a clear day. You can even see, on like a snow day, you yeah, can kind of see the you outlining can see of the building, the Pearl Tower, really cool. the Shanghai Tower, and the financial. That's like the only shoes. The bottle cap, the bottle opener building. Yeah, I have, I have it listed. Shanghai somewhere. Financial. I think uh, one is literally called the Shanghai Tower. The other yeah, one's yeah. called the Shanghai Financial District Tower. The other one's around the Pearl Tower. Shanghai Tower is the fourth, uh, the second tallest tower in the world. That's the Can't miss really it. tall. Yeah. And then the area itself, is going back to actual Adventure Owl, yeah. uh, downtown Shanghai, is there is this unique theme they carved out for it where it's a bit of a fantasy touch to yeah. it where they have like all these little creatures they the create out of rock works. Yeah. Uh, or they create it out of like woven leaves and material, which yeah, is kind of like, like a Pandora thing stuff. almost. Yeah. And that kind of is a main character that kind of ties the whole area together whether you talk about Frozen I mean mm-hmm. whether you talk about Soren or you talk about the canoes yeah. every ride has like that rock work mm-hmm. as, that kind of like ties all together and it's really really great because yeah. I really feel like Disney took the naturalistic aspect and, even, and just they really made it work the area no feels like such made. a palate cleanser because like even when you have uh, an area like Tomorrowland in Shanghai where there's multiple IPs that are really well Integrated. We'll, we'll talk about that more. The fact that Adventure Island is is virtually without intellectual properties is so is such a serene feel. That's kind of how we feel about Asia and Animal Kingdom too. There's, I was going to say this yeah. is definitely like again, Shanghai Disney is a composition of a bunch of of ideas, different feelings from other parks, and they kind of put it together and made Adventure their Isle theme park. Is there this is their Animal, Animal Kingdom, Kingdom area? Park. Totally. Ironically, considering that Animal Kingdom doesn't have a South American area, but if you took and there's no animals if you in took, this area, but yeah. if Animal Kingdom had a South America area, this would be it. that's what it would this be. Is the long lost, which area. is why they need to bring it, <laughs> which is why we need it in Animal Kingdom. But yeah, that's just definitely an area that I think people don't talk about enough. Maybe because it's not the marquee IP stuff. Yeah, that they don't have IPs, so it's not something that's easily marketed by the. But and it, it has it all. It has little shops. It has it has great restaurants. Great restaurants. It, it has, has amazing. It does areas have a Tarzan show. It has a Tarzan show. That is their yeah, okay. So they have a show that's a Tarzan stunt show. I've never Located seen it, Soren. but I hear it's really good. And again, it's like so. Yeah, that intellectual property is so sneakily woven in there that I forgot it existed. Oh, and one more thing: <laughs> it's that the whole thing is on a lagoon. So yeah. like, it's really an extraordinary kind of experience mm-hmm. where. It doesn't bleed on any angle, and it's just it's just really beautiful. Yeah. It is a generally beautiful, stunning place it really, to be. It only connects <clears throat> to Pirate's thing. Cove, so it's just like it's just a smooth transition in and out of the area. Again, no bleeding, no nothing like that. It's such a going to Adventure Isle, and I guess by extension, uh, Adventureland in Paris really ruins the Adventureland's uh, elsewhere. I mean, we hate Adventureland in America. Every time I imagine Canada, we're like, why the hell is there a Polynesian and a Moroccan and a freaking white supremacist treehouse so, building in the same yeah, spot? It's, like, it's, what's going on? The fact that, like, I feel like Magic Kingdom's Adventureland was okay right up until they put the magic carpets in there, and then it became <laughs> like. Uh, it just became like uh, you know the white man's idea of exotic. So they're like, oh, all of these brown cultures, just just throw them all together in a pot. It's fine. We've got the magic carpets. You've got Polynesia. You've got 
you know, Africa, the jungle. It's all happening right there in that rotunda where the magic car... And it makes me want to scream. Like, it just looks so fucking terrible. I hate it. But since this is the top list, <laughs> let's just go back to like being positive about the I know. Look, list. okay. Yeah, like, I we had to talk about it, though. Oh, no, it's true. We cannot talk about because, it. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, this is not... Because a, we always is, talk about it. This is not a bottom way. 10 worst-themed areas, but if it was, I'm pretty this sure... This would be number one. Invent, no, I think number one would be... Thailand, USA. Yeah. Okay, number two. <laughs> but, but, Whatever. Uh, it's well, Disney World. Disney the World would fits. Be in there. It's yeah. fine. Sorry, Disney World. We love you. Sort of. Okay, next. Shut up. Okay. It's Arabian Coast. Arabian Coast. Personal fave. Oh my god. So first of all, they get the best fucking food all that resort. Yeah. It's the curry, curry at that restaurant. Yeah, curry. And then that area has so much to it. It's a giant area. It doesn't bleed because it's only connected by bridges, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah, and it looks it's, you, compl- it's own part Arabian of the coast sea. is like almost two areas, but so perfectly seamlessly integrated because you have like the Sinbad side and the Aladdin side. Yep. And it was all designed together cohesive you have sinbad the ride of course which is arguably one of our favorite rides on the face of the earth like we literally named our cat we named after our cat Shandu. after shondu the tiger which is sinbad's animal companion like he's um, our animal companion yeah it's Bonding. we we a long time ago we did an article of like the top 10 most underrated disney rides and obviously uh, the storybook voyages of sinbad was like won by a landslide i think we wrote it seven times oh more it was like our favorite ride there. it's no life for and like it's the so music good. alan menken wrote so the song animatronics. for the music and it just makes Guys, me want to cry youtube is like right now it is the yeah, best there's ride some good you didn't know you needed of storybook voyages of sinbad it is it is like a cross between uh small world pirates of the caribbean and efteling's phantom Mahana. In the happy version. But good. Like, yeah, but all happy. But, but just, and yeah. the, oh my god, I just can't. It's so right. good. I love it so much. And then, so you have that. You have Sinbad's Bazaar. We have amazing architecture. Amazing, amazing beautiful architecture. architecture. Some great food in the bizarre, the Sinbad's Bazaar area. And also Midway Games that are like thematically appropriate. And you can win storybook voyages of Sinbad and Aladdin-themed prizes. And... and there's curry popcorn. And there's curry popcorn. Curry popcorn is the best popcorn yeah. ever invented. Yeah. Curry popcorn. For the record. Curry pop- we get curry for lunch, and then we get curry popcorn for dessert, basically. And then we go back for dinner, and we get more curry. And then, okay, so the, curry, curry, the curry. other major thing, like, this wasn't our favorite ride. The area smells like curry. It's Sorry. a really popular attraction that people love is the Aladdin and the Magic Lamp show. Um, 3D movie It was show. cool. Um, it's kind of like Muppet Vision, but yeah, way cooler. It's, it's a it's it's a good, interesting show. But I will say, if it's you're very like dialogue oriented. Like, we don't, don't speak Japanese. It's Japanese yeah. <laughs> That's a good one to do if you're caught in the rain. But um, they of do course, when we have, were caught in the rain, we just rode Sinbad over and over. They do have two more attractions, which is the carousel. Yeah, they have the the um, beautiful the G- yeah they have a two story carousel inside of like a very Agrabah, you know gold minaret kind yeah, of thing. I call it like gold, but yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And um, really, that whole courtyard is just stunning because you have the carousel on the right, Aladdin's magic lamp in the fore, in, the, in the background, and the and the restaurant with the curry on the left, and it's all just fountains and jasmine and gold and blue and um, ivory. another one. Of, this is another one of those areas that like the midway doesn't thread through the area. Yeah. So the midway goes by the water, which is the Arabian coast, yeah. which is the name of the area. Yeah. But then once you enter the actual area, yeah. you have got the bazaar and yeah, you have the Big plaza, and you have the rides. The and it's outer walkway beautiful. is smart for like traffic reasons, and you get you get a nice you get a nice way. view of um, the Little Mermaid area, the outdoor mm-hmm. part of it. Little Mermaid area is cute. It's got a nice indoor area. That's, that's sort of their kitty area, but some nice indoor rides, some outdoor rides, some play structures. Really cute area. 
smart for, again, very weather conscious because there's so much you can do that's completely indoors, including the amazing Little Mermaid show. Um, but anyways, the, yeah, b- being in like the guts of Arabian coast where you're walking through the bazaar and through the courtyards, like if you, if you make a beeline from Sinbad to Aladdin's magic lamp is when you, is when you're really in the area and it's just fabulous. The shops that, I mean, that area kind of reminds me of what the center of Batu galaxies that wishes it was where it was it like, definitely feels like this inspiration has this been drawn very str- like, like, like a and... real bizarre that yeah. feels culturally accurate and conscientious. Um, oh, and yeah, and they have the magic carpets too. They have it's Jasmine's magic carpets uh, at at Disney Sea at um, Arabian Coast, and that is sort of that's the end cap on the opposite side, the the, the Sinbad side of the park, right before you cross the bridge uh, into uh, the Lost River Delta and Raging Spirits. Again, smooth transitions all around. No bleeding. One of our absolute favorite areas. Total. I get that's another again thematic ex, like thematic inspiration that is totally underrated. Completely. Uh, yeah, one of those things that hasn't been done very often, but it's so cohesive. And, again, and even there's a couple different themes here and there. It blends together seamlessly. Signature food, signature IPs. Mm-hmm. Amazing landscaping. I don't know. It's like it's everything you want. It has, it has that perfect blend. Yeah. You know, it has that perfect the blend. Whole, that theme, of the Middle Eastern theme, deserved to have its own area. Up to that point, the closest that we had seen of like a dedicated recreation was the part of Disneyland Paris's Adventureland that was like the entrance plaza with the Aladdin. Really cool, but not quite. Which as is beautiful. Crazy but that cool was the they one took the Tokyo. whole. They took that one part of Disney Paris's Adventureland and made it a whole area. Like it deserved to be, instead of just being shoehorned into the existing Adventureland, like at Magic Kingdom. Are you ready for the top five? <laughs> okay, top five. Top five is gonna be wild. Top five is real wild. Okay, so I'm act- oh, I'm sad that Arabian Coast got kicked out of the top five. I just now realized. But there is also things to say about like these. Are, I mean, come on, this is a top this five. Is like, you can't. You know, it's, it's hard. Number five, Tomorrowland. Shanghai. <laughs> that's our, me being Tron. That's our guiltiest of guilty pleasures. Actually, we don't feel guilty about it. We love to love this area. I mean, we've mentioned several times this episode now that the main idea is that you can have different IPs, but as long as the area is cohesive in architecture and in looks, it can it can steal the show. Perfect example, Tomorrowland Shanghai. The aesthetic is beautiful. Fountains, amazing architecture, winding midways with glass panels, lights... Tron is like the overlord, and it, it's all beautiful. Even though there's still like a planet rescue ride there, yeah, there's there, IPs you know, all over the place, and but yet you don't see them. It still works. You don't see them unless you're really in the attractions or like you know looking at the marquee. In fact, Tron barely registers as an intellectual property here. It was it was of no benefit to the region to theme a ride to Tron because nobody in China knows what Tron is. But it's one of those things where, like, they but built it was Tron a good and inspiration. Cool. So it they awesome. built it because they wanted to, because they could, because they designed it for Magic Kingdom, and then it got shelved, and then they were like, well, we have this ride design, let's build it. And it was so successful that it put the Magic Kingdom project back online because it was so freaking cool, and it went viral constantly. And another thing we really look at when we look at areas um, is how to look at night, and which is why in the yeah. top five, it was something we really paid attention yeah. to. All the areas in our top five 
are very, very, very cohesive areas, whether that is by IPs blending together, like the story continuing on between mm-hmm. riots or whether or it being is just one IP or just like one IP or, or no it, IPs. Exactly. Um, and nighttime, nighttime mm-hmm. visuals. And I think the best nighttime area in the world, in my opinion, is still Tomorrowland, Shanghai. Yeah. It is spectacular. Yeah. It is so clean. It's so beautiful. Every inch the of that soundtrack area is just is lights. Like you would never. And fountains. Yeah. But yeah but even the fountains have lights in them. Yeah. yeah. Everything is, is either water or marble or LEDs. It is that so beautiful. It is absolutely stunning. We um, have, there's a loop on YouTube of like area music ambiance, and it's kind of like our version of a fireplace. Where like, yeah, we put it on it's and just we'll this, just listen to the this camera music shot from this like still cam of Tron in the background with the music, and it's like an hour, and we just watch that. Yeah, we, we like, look at the canopy changing lights, which is all very. It's based on the music, by the way. Mm-hmm. So the whole area is very cohesive, whether it's during the day yeah, or at music night. It's beautiful. On both the Tron roller coaster, when the train takes off through the canopy, the lights, of course, sync up with the train and the Daft Punk onboard audio. But those are but, only the little. But that's on the, the inside. Of the, you can't on, see that from the yeah, outside. On the outside, well, you can kind of see the shadows of them lighting up. Well, yeah, you but, can see the little. But shapes, then the outside but, of the canopy is themed to the ambient area music. Um. So there's really two layers of lights. So yeah, there's a layer there's, of LEDs, yeah. which plays in with the ambiance and music. And then there is a set of hexagonal... Is it hexagonal? Yeah, hexagonal um, LED strips. That play with the actual the, trains the coming vehicle. by. Yeah. yeah. It's just a lot. The, the lighting scheme alone for the canopy of Tron is like enough to make your head spin. Like It's so projection beautiful. lighting and also... Like bulbs and all, like and, and like probably fiber optics and a bunch of other shit that I don't know about. Like, <laughs> just, so I it's don't mostly understand. LED lights. But it's yeah. just really pretty. It's really cool. It's looking. real pretty. And then the area is another one of those areas where the main midway of the park doesn't actually cross into the it area. Goes past the area. So again, you have to enter the area to experience the area. Yeah. And I think I've really started to learn that the moment I can get off the main midway to experience an area, it gets bonus yeah. points. There's no bleeding. You know, there's no bleeding. the midway itself is your threshold, your transition into the area. It's it's set fairly far away from Fantasyland and Gardens of Imagination, respectively. Um, and then walking up to it, it has such a presence. And it's the first ever Tomorrowland. It feels like it is an alternative tomorrow where I feel yeah. like it's the future but not necessarily the one we're going to be living yeah. and I think that's I think that's the golden rule yeah. it's kind of like Discoveryland where they're like well we're going to pick a fantasy Tomorrowland yeah. because we know it's never going to get outdated yeah. and it, it's true yeah. and I think that's what I did for Tomorrowland they were like you know what we're not going to do tomorrow in Shanghai we're going to call it Tomorrowland but we're going to theme it to an aesthetic um, no ambiance yeah. like an experience mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily predict the future it's yeah. not space related we yeah. are going it's to be somewhere just, else it's yeah. the grid it is it is all about just the aesthetic and that's what's cool about the area I read an it article just beautiful. about I, I think I've brought this up before but the way that I forget the article now but it was they talked about how Tomorrowland is brilliant because Tomorrowland doesn't really it doesn't take place in the future it takes outside it takes place Tomorrowland is located outside of linear time mm-hmm it doesn't. Tomorrowland is like you said. It's not Tomorrowland in in Shanghai is not somewhere that we could ever hope to actually arrive at on like a to. global yeah, exactly. aesthetic level. It's somewhere in the multiverse. And at the same time, no. We, we, what, what did Bob Iger say? It was it Bob Iger? It was like it's distinctly Chinese or distinctly. Oh Disney yeah, Disney is yeah. Distinctly it's, Chinese, authentically Disney. Is that no, authentic. Uh, yeah, authentically Disney, yeah. distinctly Chinese. Yeah. 
whatever it was, it yeah. is very Chinese. Yeah. Because this really plays in with the modern boom of Chinese infrastructure and architecture. Yeah. China's modern buildings are all from the last couple of years. Yeah. Like China hasn't had its boom, its significant boom, to like the recent last years. Last 20 years. And, and now the, this is really plays in with a Chinese aesthetic where it's very, very clean. Clean lines, lots of glass, lots of chrome, lots of yeah. very clean lines. Their Tomorrowland is like if you took the, if you took like the the Shanghai Tower, the the tallest second tallest skyscraper in the world, and made that an area of a park. Yep, everything it's glass, it's chrome, LEDs, rainbow lights. And if we're gonna talk about ride lineups, marble. which at the end of the day do still make a difference. Yeah. Tron is our favorite Disney coaster. Yeah. I mean, my favorite is my favorite coaster. Period. period. That area has a really well rounded lineup. It's got two kinds of show venues: the outdoor. Um, amphitheater that they big do Hero the Six. Big Hero Six dance show in, and then they have um, Station Counter, which you know is a classic, a Tomorrowland classic. Um, Buzz Lightyear, Planet Rescue, another Tomorrowland classic. Which is the, definitely the best shooter dark ride from Disney. Both of those are located underneath the upper midway, so they are so smoothly hidden, and they don't have facades. Like the rides, just have it's they're both both of those attractions are they're next to each other they both exit into a single gift shop brilliant it's like a big t-shirt. it's cool because like if it weren't for the marquee saying what rider was you could like you it would have to walk really into anything. the building to find out what once it is. you're inside the attractions it's buzz Lightyear. it's it's stitch but from the outside it's just a very smooth beautiful it's just it's it's tomorrowland aesthetic the whole way um, Even Tron is like you don't yeah. really like the the Tron yeah. usual hits you know everything yeah. that's really Tron related all the aesthetic only takes place inside Tron's everything outside is, is actually definitely like a lot of black and a lot of dark um, whereas Tomorrowland Shanghai is a lot of even in the concept the original concept art for Tomorrowland in Shanghai where it looked a lot darker do you remember that where yeah, it, was, it was a lot of what, a lot dark tones and stuff well it's like the inside of Tron is still a lot of black and dark gray and silver but. You know, the outside of Tron elevates those parts of the theme to fit what they were going for with the whole area's aesthetic. And I think the the final real statement I want to make about this area before moving on to the next is that Shanghai Disneyland Tomorrowland doesn't feel cold. It doesn't feel warm. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like you would think the aesthetic would feel. Yeah. It doesn't quite feel in, industrial. It feels very pleasant. It feels, it feels very it feels welcoming, playful. but it feels it feels playful. But mm-hmm. it feels so incredibly sophisticated. The music, it's like it's it's really hard to describe. You have music to go watch that loop, and I the guess. colors, the the emphasis on. But I guess, I guess yeah, they could have taken it a little far in in like a more Spartan like stark area. This is not Tomorrowland is not minimalist. It's clean and it's sharp, but there's a lot going on. It's it's still it's bright. It's there's a lot of foliage it's full of life yeah, that's something is, that disney so got good. wrong several times over with t- their, their idea of the future apparently they're whether it was tomorrowland or it wasn't until hong showcase, kong that they really started focusing showcase. on having live like plant yeah. life in tomorrowland i whether, mean discovery has a little bit but hong kong yeah. is the first one to really blend modern architecture with like creeping vines yeah. and trees and they transferred that idea to Shanghai because the future will include so much greenery. Yeah. And even Shanghai, which is the most aesthetically pleasing one, you would almost forget there is there is a theme of plants yeah. in several parts of the area. Yeah, whether, good point. Like, whether it's Tomorrowland and Anaheim or, or Tokyo, especially, uh, or Orlando, or even uh, Future World. I said World Showcase earlier. I meant Future World. 
there, this idea of like the future is very Spartan and bare, and everything is is composite and everything is industrial. Whereas, you know, the, the, it's not. The future is green. The future is 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 oxygen and carbon. It's actually dioxide. funny because. When you think of the area, you kind of forget all the greenery, and you just completely open my mind yeah. again to where we were there, in, you know, or several times. Remember that area with the trees, the tree canopy? The tree canopy, yeah. Well, you can sit underneath yeah. like, all the modern benches or like, little seats. There's but- a popcorn shop that's wrapped around the rainbow light-up staircase, and then you go and you get your popcorn. It's like a little terrace of like trees and the little tables that look like light cycles. Remember, oh, they yeah, look yeah. like the little the little oh, black tire yeah. seats, and it's under. A canopy that's 100% alive. Well, yeah, and approaching, and trees. approaching Tomorrowland or from the hub or from Guards of Imagination, you go through several circular gardens to get there, yeah. which are very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Different levels, like different yeah. you know, levels of, what do you call it, like altitude, I guess. Yeah. Like just you know, elevated gardens mm-hmm. and lower gardens yeah. and a swamp. And then underneath Tron, underneath Tron, there is a beautiful... The plant life inside of the canopy. Yeah, under the canopy, there is the like palm trees, palm trees and, the and there is flowers. Like it's I love, so beautiful. You know what it's I love crazy. about their choice? The choice of all of the giant ferns under Tron is that ferns are some of the oldest living things on Earth. Ferns are living fossils. That's so funny. Yeah, history degrees. And well. it's so, <laughs> it's such an intelligent move for them to put ferns in Tomorrowland because. Because time has already proven to us that ferns will never probably and don't go away. (laughs) The shapes of Tomorrowland, Shanghai, however modern they look, are inspired by by nature. nature. It's like leaves. It's folding. It's waves. Not a single pathway is actually straight. Yeah, it's all curves and like flowing rivers of marble. It's it's fluid. Even the hexagons. I consider hexagons to be a naturally occurring shape more. Than uh, than an than an industrial or, or manufactured shape. I think of honeycombs and and you know the eyeballs of a hornet. Yeah, it does more <laughs> than just represent the Tron franchise yeah. so well. So yeah, overall, this is one. This is the only real area on there that's not a complete naturalistic area. But there's so much to it yeah. that people don't think about it unless they literally are obsessed with it, like yeah. us. Yeah. Um, so there you have it. Yeah. Definitely worthy of a top five spot. Yeah. Moving on is another very very unique area that they hit right on the nail. It's Carsland, Carsland California, Carsland guys. Adventure. California's the bread and butter best of, of the California operation. I think. I mean, the the irony is is. You know they built Guardian, or they they built Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim. They're like, this is our new best themed area on the resort. And the Carsland people were like, no, <laughs> actually, that's cute. that's cute. Yeah, it's no Carsland is on it. We talked about it a little bit before about how Carsland would be pick, would be pitch perfect for the second gate in Shanghai Disney because it is Shanghai Disney level execution. I mean, it predates Shanghai Disney, but really. If, for those of you who've been to Cars Land, if you love Cars Land and if you can imagine a theme park that is as cohesive and spectacular with as many great things to ride and see and do and eat as Cars Land and extrapolated it across the whole Disneyland Castle Park concept, that's what Shanghai Disney is. And the cool thing about Cars Land is kind of what really is starting to, to rule this list is it's just a perfect lineup. So you have two very very good family attractions mm-hmm. and then you have a spectacular e-ticket. park carrying e-ticket yeah. 
And then you combine all that with good dining options, good snack options. I mean, give me that dill popcorn. Yeah, oh my god, the popcorn. Yeah, from the cone stand. Very intricate details. Vegan shepherd's pie from Flo's. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Never forget. It plays on that, like, old Americana, like, West Coast road trip kind of idea, obviously. They did such a good job. It feels so California, even though it's not technically all California. I finally made, I made him watch Cars fairly recently. But not the last ones. Well, oh, you had, okay. Of course, I was obsessed. Because weren't we talking about it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, where, didn't you have this, like, realization re-watching it after having been to Disneyland where you were like, oh, wow, like, it really was Well, that's because I hadn't watched accurate. it in yeah. years, but yeah. Yeah, watching it again, you were like, wow, it really does look exactly like Cars Land. And we learned from watching the Imagineering story that they already wanted to do that area as Car Land, and then when the Cars franchise came out, it was, like, the perfect melding. Which is funny, because usually when... And at least in my opinion, when Disney creates an area and then like last minute or throughout the process decides to add an IP to it, it doesn't always feel cohesive. Yeah. But this is like the most cohesive this product is such of a cohesive, any IP. It's so hard to believe that there like the was whole area is originally going to be an area. Yeah. It's so perfect. Single IP areas carry this list. Um, I guess, yeah, three of our especially for now top on. five are... Areas where only one one realm, one you know, creative mind is at work uh, telling four the whole story. The yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. Well, I guess so from now on, yeah, it's all going to be like this. Yeah, but that's what makes a great area. Yeah. That's why it's in our top ten best yeah. areas because it's really hard. I to want to make, be transported somewhere where like, it's all one world. Tomorrowland, Shanghai here. is our favorite area of a Disney park that combines multiple intellectual properties and that's kind of the telltale characteristic of a great area is if you don't try to push too hard or take on too much the best way to get an area to to mesh like that is is to narrow you know narrow your scale and focus on and one thing that's also really important and that's what we saw with tron and that's what we'll see with the next couple listings too um is that a marquee attraction yeah Blended with the area becomes its own attraction. Like, mm-hmm. you don't even have to ride it, and it's still an attraction. Yeah. So, you can walk by um, Radiator Springs Racers. Radiator Springs Racers from several points yeah. in the area, and it is magnificent to look at. Mm-hmm. It carries an experience just standing there looking at it doing its thing. And that's the same with Tron. I can stand in a Tron and be like, wow, mm-hmm. this is great. And the same with our upcoming um, top three. It's going to be the same thing. There is this main attraction that is so much more. Than just the experience on ride, it mm-hmm. is, creates this off ride environment that really carries the area into a whole different, you know, stratosphere. I mean, everyone has been there. It doesn't need us to yeah. explain this. This is probably is of all of, of this our is the favorites. This is the easiest one for us to be like. Obviously, this is a top five area. Like anyone would be shocked if it wasn't. And on top of that, it's a completely unique area. And another great moment. And also, it's a perfect theme for California Adventure. Like, yeah, California Adventure doesn't always seem to have its eye on the original purpose of the park, which was to celebrate California. But Cars Land does. And I love, again, forced perspective at work with the, you know, the wall of, of, of rocky mountaintops themed to fins of old Cadillacs and things like it. There's just so much about that area that they got right, that they did well. It's hard to believe that they uh, followed that up with uh, Pixar Pier. <sighs> top 10 worst areas in the world anyway 
Um, <laughs> leave in the U.S. We're sticking with the same theme. Yeah. Red Rocks. We're going to move back to Disneyland Paris. And our top three, rounding out top three, it's going to be Frontierland, Frontierland Paris. Disneyland Paris. Talk about a complete product. Where like product. Everyone's tried this, and no one's did it right. And then Disneyland Paris put in the effort, put in the money, and did it right. The, every bit of the story is cohesive. Mm-hmm. Every ride has its own... I mean, there's only two major so rides So what you've there, got here... Well, they do have the train station, which is... That works really true. well there. You have... Not only do you have... Not only is every part of Frontierland in Paris the best that it could possibly be by itself, they are all pieces of a larger overall puzzle. And they have a single story. So they take the best... Of their respective version. So the best Big Thunder Mountain, the best Haunted Mansion, and they put them together. And they, they take place in the same canon. So the cool thing is, is that, God, where do we even start with this area? I guess I'm just going to start with where you walk in. So you walk into a fort. Mm-hmm. This floor is a walkthrough. Sick, right? Because I love my walkthroughs, mm-hmm. and I think that areas with walkthroughs are automatically better areas. So that area has an amazing walkthrough. It's the fort. Now, you go through that fort, and it is Frontierland, but, like, Frontierland from your dreams. So you have Rivers of yeah. America, but instead of the middle being a walkthrough Tom Tom's Island, Island, the middle it's, is it's Big, Big Thunder, Thunder Mountain. Mountain. So Big Thunder Mountain is the marquee attraction. It is a spectacular version where the station is on one side of the river, and then, in case if you didn't know yet, you literally take a big tunnel under the river into the ride. And in the finale of the ride is not a big effing tunnel mm-hmm. where you go really fast. It is spectacular. And then off to the right, or off to the left. Yeah, you have Phantom Manor. Phantom Manor. Absolutely the best Haunted Mansion iteration. It's it a little bit... It is themed to an abandoned yeah. mansion or abandoned it's house themed to on the plains of... The, the husband Bryce and Mountain, wife. Whatever it is, yeah. Bryce Canyon. The, the husband and wife, the, 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 the dynasty, the local dynasty of Frontierland Paris... The wife, I, the story... There's There's been a few changes to the folklore, but... Their, haunt, their haunted mansion, their Phantom Manor, is very focused on the wife um, who killed her husband. <laughs> her husband, husband owned worked, a mine. Yeah, he worked in the Big Thunder Mines. He, yeah, he 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 ran, he owns the Big Thunder Mines. That's where their their wealth came from. It was from being in charge of the mines that the roller coaster is themed. Now to. the cool thing is that like on a roller coaster, there's touches in the queue. Um, and on some parts of the ride that really play into it being part of Thunder Mesa, the, the theme yeah, land, yeah. and where the house is. And then mm-hmm. in the queue for in the, the house... In Haunted Mansion, and or on the ride, Manor... It is all themed to Big, Big Thunder Mountain. Big Thunder is in the ride. Big the, Thunder Mountain is part of the finale of the attraction. For those of you... I mean, everyone here has probably ridden some iteration of the Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion usually ends you know, with the, the graveyard scene. That is the final... That is the you know the the finale. The biggest difference with Phantom Manor is instead of a graveyard, it's a ghost town, a boom town, ghost town. So you are back in Thunder Mason, You're where in the Thunder area Mason. is, except for this time, it's a ghost town. Yeah. There is only ghosts. The mines are alive. There's trains. Mm-hmm. There is miners. There's yeah. the town is back to, back to life, yeah. except for ghosts, obviously. Yeah. And the station for Phantom Manor is beautiful. So the, all the other ones, you're kind of bored mm-hmm. in a pretty mundane station, or really boring in the case of Anaheim. 
But then Phantom Anor Station is you are in the big mansion and you look off in this wasteland of a desert mm-hmm. where there's thunder because you know thunder, yeah, Mesa, yeah, and the, the lady, bride, she's in her the bride, dress, yeah, standing she's there looking out the window through the broken windows yeah. and like the wind the wind's blows coming her dress through. through the station. Yeah. It is it is phenomenal. Yeah, it's hard to it know. I don't. I, it's hard to know if she killed him or if he died. But Still apparently she's exactly had multiple. Yes, yeah. if we spoke fluent French, we'd probably have an easier idea. Also, I mean the story has changed <laughs> but um i yeah i guess this the story would also with big thunder i know for a lot of the big thunder rides the theme is that like the american indian spirits have possessed the trains i don't know if that's the theme for paris's but i i like that idea to be the theme for all of them because i feel like that's you know poetic justice for you know the westward ho movement but at least in disneyland paris i feel like they don't focus on it as much there's a lot of there's for anaheim and florida there's still a lot of the whole cowboys and indians uh rosy rose tinted glasses look at at that part of history it's better now my favorite part of like frontierland and anaheim now is the is like they even say it on the train the train maybe that's something they added different but when they reopened the train in anaheim and you get that scene of the amazing the, the Native American shaman on the horse, yeah, and then the train talks about how the Amer- the Native American spirits have possessed the mine trains, yeah. and that is the premise behind Big Thunder Mountain. So, but um, another thing I want to touch on in Paris is that from the queue of Phantom Manor, which is its own attraction, so beautiful because the queue it takes place in the hills. Huge. It's like an abandoned, of course, it's yeah. abandoned, but it's like you know a little chapel and. It's a lot of wooden structures, that gazebos, gazebos and, um, which are great for the rain to get there yeah. and, the, and the cool weather. Because we stood there rolling when the storm yeah, rolled through. Yeah, through. That was cool. It was scary. It, it was, was like cool. we got some cool pictures like online, man. But then you look over and uh, you look over the entire area. You look over yeah. the mine. It's uh, it's like the house was built to be looking over the mine. The way it's that all it's set up is so incredible. Because it is amazing. It's, it's a two story attraction, just like Anaheim's, except. Instead of Anaheim's taking you below the ground surface, Paris, you walk up to that second story. The house is on a hill. The whole ride is underneath the, the hill. But you go up physically to, to and then where, loading, exit where the elevator is that takes you down. And then you exit by the out of the basement. And then, yeah, there's more cemetery. There's the, the geysers. And then you look at Big Thunder Mountain across the, across the, river, the river, which is, you know, running rampant. It's the most beautiful of all yeah, of them. The layout's yeah. awesome. Any angle you you look at it, it is There's that part where there's a little drop right before the U-turn into the second lift hill, and it's got water effects that you really can appreciate that. And on the back side from, of the river is the train, yeah. which is obviously also Western-themed. And there's the water effects. It is a, it is naturally. Got a good show it's naturally. A we didn't go over to that side. Oh yeah. The last the time side, we visited, yeah. because the train was closed, we didn't go to that part of of. Um, I've been there before. Yeah. yeah, and they've got some good restaurants there too. They've got. What was that thing that you got there? That was like was vegan like, chili. It was or something? vegan chili with fries. It was a weird flex, but I love it. Uh, yeah, and I enjoyed it. We <laughs> ate there. We ate in that area of the park twice. I got chicken wings, and I also. Oh got yeah, a and then there's also a. Um, I enjoyed it. In front of Big Thunder Mountains, actual entrance, there is the. Um, the Mexican place where uh, yeah, I got yeah. the uh, some sort of yeah. Salad. There's there's Mexican and barbecue uh, and Tex-Mex. There's yeah. three different restaurants, and then from there you have like again you that very smooth transition into Adventureland. You can see Big Thunder from Adventureland, and yet somehow it doesn't feel like it's breaking theme. 
I think the coolest thing about Big Thunder isn't just that it's also across the water, which is obviously super cool, but it's the fact that you can stand in the queue and like you walk over the ride because it comes back out mm-hmm. of the mine shaft. Yeah. But also you're like in the station and you're like looking out over, over the water the, yeah. and you see the trains running in the distance. Mm-hmm. It is an it's amazing product. Great night ride. Great night ride. Amazing night ride. I mean, a kitchen. The area is gorgeous. Big Thunder Mountains are all cool, but like this one goes effing fast. Like I am so amazed because the finale is like you're going really fast, and then you dive in a tunnel, and like you keep going faster, and all of a sudden there's a drop, and you're like, why the hell is there still a drop? Yeah, and then it slows down a little bit on the way up just for you know, just for track for stress reasons, stress fracture reasons. But it is a phenomenal attraction. The Mm -hmm. trains are green and brown. They're not as it all looks a lot more naturalistic. Mm -hmm. It's not as I love and I love the blue lights. In the evening, mm-hmm. the lighting package for that ride is so is so fun and so neat. Especially if you can catch it, you know, in the golden hour when the sunset, the sun shines and lights up Phantom Menor like orange, and then the lights for the for Big Thunder come on, and you get it, it's just a beautiful color palette. The whole area is just stunning. It's the only Frontierland where they really yeah. really got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely one of the reasons it's an top three. Is better and more beautiful than the old Frontier. Deserves and again, best Big Thunder by mar- by significant margin and, and best, best Honda Mansion, Mansion. Um, and everything ties together yep. so great. So this is really what we've always wanted from Frontierland. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, right. we're gonna come back to Walt Disney World. Yeah, believe it or not, two. they made it to our top three to our Animal Kingdom. Our I don't care anyone says Pandora yeah, is Pandora. indefinitely better. Yeah, and Galaxy's Edge. Pandora and- is the best themed area in Orlando overall. Are the jury is still out. Are we? I love Diagon Alley, though. Diagon Alley is cool. I mean, Diagon Alley and Pandora are both two of the few areas in the, in the entire world that have zero no sideline side issues. Like, completely no sideline issues. But, so, our thing with Pandora is, like, the size of it, one one thing. And for me, it's, like, the natural components. There's so much water. There's so, so much yeah. plant life. There's real plant life and also extraterrestrial plant life. That And it's amazing at night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so Everything at glows night. at night. The rides there, I enjoy. I prefer Navi River. I love that it is just a really spectacular, tried and true, little dark ride, a little miniature. Honestly, this is one of those areas that you will not, we don't have to. We don't really much. go there for the rides, and, and I feel like everyone listening can understand. Like just from like a single picture they have seen online. No, people are still gonna get mad at us because they just they they want really. Yeah, they just still Pandora. Y'all. There's people like, who, like beautiful. Look, we can't even get our friends to agree with us on some of this stuff. True, 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 true. Uh, but yeah, it's like, no, this is the best themed area in Disney World. Um, it's not even a contest. Because when I think about, I think what brings an area like Galaxy's Edge down is the lack of water. Yeah. There is no... Uh, areas that lack well, water components for me, I mean, that's, that's huge marks. I mean, look at these areas. Our top three are hugely water-centric. You have probably, by process of elimination, have figured out what our number one area is, but we, we won't get ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, water is key, man, for me, because without it, areas feel quieter than they should, and they feel dry. Well, and- we're going to go back to the basic lineup of like important things for a great area. It includes good attractions mm-hmm. and good food. Well, I think they have awesome quick service there. Yeah. Their Cecily Cantine, Cantine is, is amazing. Best really case good scenario. Like, definitely for Walt Disney World, best case. Yeah. Like, Walt Disney World's food is not the best when it comes to quick service, it's usually. It's the least good of all of the resorts when it comes to food. Quick service, anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, Paris is probably the worst, period, but... True. Paris does. Food-wise. 
Darth Vader waffles. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so food is amazing, and then they have a little stand where they have cocktails and special drinks. Yeah, and boba the, the slushies and, with boba and lumpias and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And then they have two super solid attractions. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about like Galaxy's Edge having Rise of Resistance and like way down the list. They have yeah. Smuggler, at least Navi, yeah. and Five Passage yeah, are playing on the same really playing strong. field. Yeah. The queue for unlike Galaxy's Edge, which has no good queues. Sorry. The queue for Flight of Passage Flight is of Pass- really cool. The queue for Flight of Passage, it, for Beautiful. me, is the reason to do the ride. For me, so I like the ride. You just like venture through the, ride, the floating rocks. But like, for me, really cool. it's about yeah, it's about crossing that bridge over the waterfall where like you're mid level, eye level with with the floating rocks. You come into the cave, and then the cave transitions into bioluminescent forest forest, and then transitions into the laboratory absolutely spectacular the areas where these where nature meets human meddling and the points where you see nature reclaiming the the devastation of the mining and stuff that took place on the island of Moara that's the whole theme here now the biggest thing that I don't think I've touched on yet is that usually areas are all around us. Like, you know, it's a 360 sort of view mm-hmm. thing. This is the first area in the world where the area takes place above you. Mm-hmm. It's the only area in the world where the area takes place above you. The majority of the area is below floating rocks. Yeah. And beautiful scenery. They like yeah. you have to look up to experience the area. It's very, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's more weird, than right? just like, like where else have we done that? It's more than and it's more than just like a tall Structure. It's more than just a castle or Everest or you know the the rock work on on like uh, Adventure Isle. There's something about being under the. It, 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 when you look at it, the way that they were able to develop the superstructure to make it look like limp vines mm-hmm. th- that used to hold itself. I mean, you look at it and I just can't look at it long enough. I look at it and I can't believe what I'm seeing. And the amount of detail and Every plant life and it. waterfalls. And you can get is, lost in that area. There's so oh, many. Oh, yeah. I love walking around there. That area has so much to walk around in because it's all a secret overflow queue for oh, Flight so, of Passage. Yeah. You'll see the so, markers on the floor and I'll be like, oh, yeah, try to use this There's lots queue. of little areas and stuff to just explore and see. Interactive fountains, motion-sensitive, um, you know, light structures and stuff. And I, I, it. The only part of the area that isn't like a complete home run is just the queue for Navi River. But even then, the queue is not terrible. It's fine. It's just not as strong. At least it's completely enclosed. And it comes down again to the nighttime aspect. If your attraction is just as great, if not better at night, then you belong on this list. And Mm -hmm. this area is even elevated. Even though the rides are indoors, so like there's no such thing as like night rides in Pandora, being in Pandora at night is a ride. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> Being no, it is so great. In Pandora and at night is... The great news for this area, priceless. too, is that it's so removed from the rest of the park mm-hmm. that it feels like its own world. There's no yeah. sideline issues. You really get taken away. It really and takes you to another place. So, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say. I just want to say, like, whatever you do when you go to Walt Disney World, you have to prioritize yeah. that park. I know there's people that don't always pick that park to go to. Plan to go, go to Disney World and bookend your day with Pandora. Hit it. First thing, and also, I mean, I know right now it doesn't COVID work, times. There's no way to see Pandora at night, which is a crying shame. Um, but someday, you know, this too. I read, I read something on the internet today. It's like this too shall pass. It may pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. 
once this is all over and Animal Kingdom is open till 9 p.m. or whatever, you bookend your day with, with Pandora. Start there, then work your way around, you know, counter or work your way around clockwise and go back to Pandora at night because there is just no better way. There's no better time spent at Disney World than at night than Pandora, even though there's not like, you know, there's nighttime shows, castle shows, fireworks, whatever. That's all fine. But like, God, just being in Pandora and like walking around inside of that area after dark is so sensational. I just barely have the words for it. I Yeah. It's like if you took part of, um, journeys under the earth and made it mm-hmm. an area. Yep. Which, which brings surprise, us surprise to the, the best finale the best themed area inside the Disney lexicon. Six resorts, 12 parks, uh, five continents, four continents, five and four and a half. Why four and a half? Because of Hong Kong. Sorry. Sorry. I meant four countries, three continents, four and a half countries. It's Disney Sea. It's are you counting in your head? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Disney Sea, mysterious, mysterious island. island, another Jules Verne masterpiece. Um, I really wish that we could just have Mystery Island, Port Discovery, and Discoveryland in one area. In one area, and it will be like he, I loved really that. he built a park and roller coaster tycoon. That was those three areas put together. It was probably my favorite. Which thing nice is the Disney Sea. So Port Discovery. You know, we we talk a lot of crap. It's kind of the weak link there, but it's it's still a nice compliment to uh, Mysterious Island, which Mysterious Island, figuratively and literally, is the crown atop Disney Sea. The volcano, the circular basin, lagoon with the volcano. It just it just doesn't get better. This area of the park has multi level, yeah, multiple levels, incredible cohesion. Again, the water component. Natural life component. Two attractions based on Jules Verne stories. Yeah. Um, it's One cohesive. 20,000 Lakes Under the yeah. Sea, which is yeah. not my favorite because of leg room, cramp, but it's, it's a but cool kind of ride. Really neat dark ride. And of course, um, Disney's signature dark ride. Tokyo Disneyland's Ace in the Hole. Tokyo Disney Resort's Ace in the Hole, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Amazing. Amazing theming. One of Amazing the natural greatest amusement park rides ever built. You will stand inside the volcano and just be lost in a different world. The ride itself, though a bit short, is yeah. spectacular. Amazing animatronics, amazing theming. Speechless. Yeah, it I is guess it's so beautiful. I guess this one's not hard for us to defend either. I'd, I would, I beseech you to defend another area over this one in in the world of of Disney themed areas because it's just. People have been losing their mind over Disney Sea since day since day one. It, that park just has a reputation for being the best case scenario when it comes to themed amusement. And Mysterious Island is the the jewel. It is the achievement. And Mysterious Island is one of those areas that is completely self contained. So in order to enter, you have to go yeah. through a volcano. In order to exit, yeah. you have to Again, go through a volcano. Again, sight lines. The fact that it's in the middle of the park and it's accessible from three different unrelated areas, and yet. When you're in there, you're in there. And it's crazy because, like, you are literally in this you're in circular this volcanic volcano. basin, this yeah. vent, and the little boats come through the transportation. <laughs> and there's two walkways. There's a walkway inside, yeah, which is also it's also very journey. weather centric. Yeah, so the entrance to Journey to the Center of the Earth is completely indoors. You can do that entire attraction without 
concern for rain because you're only outside for like a split second on the ride. Which they do run it in the yeah. rain, yeah. yeah. They'll run that ride in any weather condition. And if you're at Disney Sea and you don't feel like getting wet, if you're already on Mysterious Island, just you can just session either one of those dark rides without any concern. And the area is completely unique. Again, it's very important. Totally unique. A beautiful night. It was stunning. some blue sky, blue high in the sky stuff for Disneyland Paris for Discovery Mountain before the budget cuts turned Discovery Mountain into just Space Mountain. But the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Nautilus ride and the Journey to the Center of the Earth thrill attraction, all of that uh, came to life uh, in in Mysterious Island. Uh, and, and again, it's like, so you've got, you've got the rides, some good food there. The Vulcan, the Vulcan restaurant. I don't think we ate it's there. It's all seafood. They don't have anything vegetarian there yeah. for Sean, unfortunately. Um, it was cool though. That's for sure. Yeah. I ate there on my first visit. Uh, I got like a, a, yeah, seafood noodle thing. Yeah. That's already our biggest complaint about, <laughs> if there's a, if there's one complaint that we have about parks, it's like whether or not we can find vegan and vegetarian food. I know, first world Especially problems. in Asia, but that's okay. I mean, but we're, we just, we're about only it. a hop, skip, and a jump from Arabian Coast when we're in Mysterious Island. Or we can go to that really great pizza place that's next to where Soren is now and get pasta chips. Now, it's a walkthrough part of Mysterious Island, the beautiful walkthrough. The, oh, no, that's, um, that's the, like the Magellan, like, yeah. like ma- the cart- cartography. That's actually part of... Um, the entrance to the park. That's, that's part of the Mediterranean okay. area. But it's close. It's attached. I guess you could make a case that it's... Because like, technically, you walk under the volcano. Yeah. Okay. I think that, yeah. I think that's technically part of the entrance of the park. Entrance of the park, I think you can make a full circle around the lagoon with the bridge and the, the elevated walkway that leads you into the volcano. You could technically do that circle and all still be in Mediterranean coast. Not totally sure. But yeah, I mean, Journey to the Center of the Earth is just is too grand for words the volcano there's no i guess there's no show venue like there, you can't like go see a show at just being there and, show. but but yeah being there is the show the volcano every time a vehicle spits out the volcano there's a yeah. bunch of fog and smoke and and the nighttime fire shows once a while. all of the nighttime yeah. shows in the park use the volcano as like as, as a time effects. yeah there is no there is not one thing that they do with that lagoon show wise that doesn't also utilize the volcano erupting as part of the show. And it's one of the few areas where when you're not in the area, it's still something to really admire because mm-hmm. the outside of a volcano is a beautiful, beautiful masterpiece. Plants yeah. and um, you and hear it, a rumble. It does it's a good really job cool. of like it's, – it's not obtrusive to any of the areas around the park. All of the areas around the park lend themselves to having a volcano in the distance. But the volcano helps from being able to see Tower of Terror from Arabian Coast, you know? Yeah. Like – it is your central palate cleanser. It is your North Star for this park. It is it's it's perfection. I don't I don't honestly believe that a better themed area could ever be built because Disney Sea was such a perfect divine scenario that that park happened and that the Imagineers just were just were ran wild. You have the best most creative theme park minds in the world given yeah that happens when you know, have a lot of money because yeah. the oriental land company is like Take like as much money. as we are obsessed with shanghai disney there's just there's not one part of shanghai disney that stands out it is as radiant spectacular elegant even as 
is Mysterious Island. And that's that. That's that. So everyone, check out our article that yeah. will be online this weekend. Uh, We're going to write an article that's slightly less flamboyant than this almost two-hour podcast. But thank you for listening to but, yeah. the detailed version of the story. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with a, another Disney-themed episode soon. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have Stan in on that one. It's going to be themed to uh, all Disney parks in the world. We're re-ranking them based on our more recent experiences. So that'll be some of our next stuff. Uh, since we're already like hitting that two-hour mark yeah. almost, we're just going to... I can't believe how long this episode was. We're going to cut it really... To one it's going to be an subject. abrupt ending. What's the vibe that abrupts really... Like ends really abruptly. Uh, Journey to the center of the earth is pretty abrupt because yeah, it's, it's like you're just toddling through the yeah, crystal caverns. Yeah, it's definitely like the climax of the ride, and is then over. Yeah. and then you get the bioluminescent forest, and and then you go through the stormy sea area, and then you see the, there's fire and there's egg cases for some sort of monster, and then it's like oh there's the monster, you take off, you get your you, you drop you get your extra you get time, your blood, but it like break. You get an air time hill, and and then and you know the ride's over. It's four minutes, very four, four very satisfying minutes, but it leaves you wanting more. You just, you just want to write it again when you write it. You just can't get enough. Speaking of more, we need more reviews. Yeah. So uh, leave a review on uh, <laughs> iTunes, Google Play. We're on Amazon now. I think we're starting Amazon. Um, Are we? Yeah, depends on that one. Okay. Um, so yeah, leave a review. Let us know what you think. We'll be back with more episodes. Every two weeks we got an episode. Yeah. So enjoy. Listen to this one. Check out some of our new articles. We've got some new team members on board, so they'll be creating some awesome so content many great for you. Team members around the world. We're so pleased. So we'll see you online on thecoastofkings.com. Follow us on social media, and um, with that one, we're gonna bounce. Yeah. I want. How much frozen? It's been real. <laughs> the are still cool. open. Oh, I guess we'll we, make it. We've got forty-five minutes. Okay, guys. So out for okay. frozen yogurt. All right. Thank you so much for Bye. listening. Have a good night. Morning. Afternoon. Bye.